Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Imagination is key. It is the thing that really separates play from just discovery. Discovery is just like give me all the information. That's kind of like what I was talking about earlier. Like people just like need more information. They just want it all. They want to learn. They want to see the world. They want, but like there's, there, it lacks that interactiveness. Like, okay, now what am I going to do with this information? That's why play is really more actionable. And it makes, it makes it easy for you as, as a tour operator, as someone who's guiding people through experiences, because Experiences are about action, right? Like discovery in itself is kind of one-dimensional. Play is, is a three-dimensional. Did you know Tourpreneur also has a Facebook community of over 7,000 tour operators? If you are not a member, then search for Tourpreneur on Facebook and join a thriving community of tour operators and other travel professionals, all of whom learn from each other as well as from Chris, Mitch, Pete, and many other industry experts. By becoming a member, you will be notified first of any events, meetups, and exclusive content. Join the Torpreneur community today. Facebook.com slash group slash Torpreneur. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Torpreneur podcast. I, as always, am Mitch Bach, and today... We are going to the playground with my friend, Sam. We're going to play together. Samantha Hardcastle is the founder of The Storied Experience. And our topic today is the word play. We're going to tease out the applicability of that word to your life as an experience creator and hopefully tease out some new angles and ideas on how to think about the experiences you're creating out there in the wild outside of the mold of the daily grind of delivering information and, you know, walking here, walking there. The word play is really about, for me, making your tours more immersive, more experiential, and more engaging to the full humanness of your travelers. And I am excited to dig into it. Sam, welcome to the playground. Thank you. I love the playground. I like to think of travel as almost like an adult version of the playground, right? I mean, we, we take vacation because we need to get away from the seriousness and of adulting. Absolutely. We're banishing the word adult when it has those connotations of seriousness and we're above everything. And even the idea of fun, that fun has to be this very adult sort of way of having fun. I really want to go somewhere else and sort of tease out, yeah, our Maybe our, our inner child, the things that we forget that we do love. So let's dive in. 
this word play, can you just start by telling me what comes to your mind in terms of a definition or a starting point when we talk about specifically this world of experience design as applied to to our operators? Yeah. So I like to say like you have exploration and you have discovery and then you have play. And play has a little bit more of an imaginative what if quality about it. So whereas discovery and exploration can just be like very, you know, this is it. This is a destination. This is a culture. This is what they do. This is, you know, this is how we engage with the world. Uh, curiosity, you know, the curiosity that comes with this playfulness is more about questioning like what if and it really opens up a world of possibilities that we wouldn't have been exposed to if we had taken things at face value so you know play is how we learn as children it is incredibly multifaceted i mean there's been tons of research done like into how many different kinds of play there is so, you know, you have physical play, you know, rough and tumble kind of play. Um, and then you have like play where you know, you're playing games and, and you're uh, playing dress up and like, you know, those are more imaginative type play and then competitive play. So those are just like, you know, a handful of the different kinds of play. Um, but it's really about how do you leverage those ideas and the ideas behind it? Because it's not necessarily about bringing people back to their childhood, although that is incredibly comforting. It's about how do you take someone away from the seriousness and the mundane uh, autopilot mode that they operate in constantly, all day long, every day, every, every day of the week, and invite them into more of a playful mindset. And that can be really challenging for people. Yeah, you're right. It's not a return to childhood. However, what I think childhood brings is an unabashed sense of being ready to try something new, yeah. to ex uh, ex explore, but also gamify the world. Just learn by doing and exploring and thinking differently about things and uh, doing it essentially without the kind of rules that creep into what we think is the right way to be on tour, the right way to travel, the boxes that we place ourselves in. Yeah, exactly. And some some qualities of play are exactly that. Like it's less about rules and and you want to create structure. You want people to feel safe, but you also want them to feel safe to step outside of their normal concept of every day. And so for example, like, you know, you're walking down the street one, you know, and you're giving a tour, it's maybe going left instead of going right. And like that's a surprise element that people are like okay what's going to happen now like this this wasn't planned and there's so much spontaneity in that and i think that that's just one example of taking a more playful approach like i you know when you when you learn about play like i've actually taken courses on play and they say you know let your dog lead you instead of you leading the dog on a walk like that's something that thing. is deviating from the norm of your everyday and could lead to more surprises, more things that you don't know what's going to happen. And, and there's a, this, there is this quality of uncertainty that I think is really nice and refreshing because like these days we can just Google everything. We can know everything. And when you don't have that element of 
unpredictability, it can be really hard to tap into that play. Yeah. I think you're right at the heart of this idea of play is a willingness to be and accept spontaneity, right? To go with the flow, of course, but to also be willing to step outside your normal standard operating procedure of judging, right? I feel like almost in in addition to enjoying the default tour taker is kind of an emotive judging. <laughs> Am I liking this? Am I liking you? Am I liking the guests? Am I liking the city? This idea that like, like, I hate New York. It's dirty. It's grimy. My tour guide is boring. My tour guide is fun. I'm tired. I'm hungry. It's, it's, it's getting away from that level of Maslow's period, uh, 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 pyramid and going, allowing yourself to go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, speaking of New York City, I mean, like those, if, when those emotions and those thoughts, like someone steps into a place that's incredibly overwhelming and there's like just so many different places you can go in different, different directions you can take. Um, like, it's like, how do you incorporate play when it's such a massive city? And I, you know, I think the answer lies in knowing really well, like your ideal guest or visitor, what their concept of play is like, what do they need most? Like, how did they play when they were children? I mean, I, I think that's a really important thing for all of us to know about the people who we're traveling with and so like you know you can you can have someone who played because like played imaginary because they were picturing themselves like being an astronaut or you can have someone who played like building things right or you could have someone who played um you know collecting things like you have you could have someone who played um with you know dress up so you have all these different modes of play as children and eventually those modes of play translate into our everyday lives i mean someone who was curious like someone like a nerd like me who collected like rocks and crystals as a kid you know that translates into my adulthood and i like collecting things that are like that so you know i think we can learn a lot about what our get what our guests did as children and then take those notions and extrapolate them into things and moments within the experience and it gives so it, it opens up a world of creativity to where you're not just no you're no longer just speaking at them you're saying okay like this is an opportunity to challenge them to invite them in to this play mode but like it has to be something that was familiar to them as children because if, if it's not if it's so far off their radar of like, oh, this is incredibly uncomfortable. Like I never played like this as a children. I've, I've never been someone who builds. I, you know, that's really foreign to me. It's really hard to get people into play if it's not their own style of play. So knowing that, knowing a little more about um, the little behaviors that people adopted as children helps you create something that is comfortable for them in in the end and of course like you want com comfort is essential for people like bringing down their barriers but you know there there is an aspect of play that can be a little challenging and that's okay too it's it's really like a balance between like we want people to be comfortable but we also want them to step outside their comfort zone a little you know it's really interesting a lot there so much to unpack <laughs> 
<laughs> so much. Don't worry, we've got all the time as long as our servers hold up. The first thing is that power of collecting. It's a really, really simple way to think about play because it's so applicable to what we do when we're marketing and designing and delivering experiences. Yeah. For example, it makes me think of um, Shantiria Early and the Travel Divas. I posted about this in the Tourpreneur newsletter a few months ago. She made custom patches that you collect when you complete a journey with her. And people would wear them with honor, with pride, sew them onto their backpacks and every single trip. I mean, these are like $7,000 trips and people are going on them to get a $3 little patch. But it's tapping into, so bravo to Shantiria, but what is it doing? It's tapping into that like humanness that we are of, of you know, wanting to display our pride. There's a reason generals and Boy Scouts and, you know, Everybody sort of has something that people collect. I collect empty bottles of wine. My husband collects, uh, uh, and then I throw them away. And then my husband collects comic books. So it's this connects me to kind of the second half of what you were saying, which is we're tapping into essentially these these core things that we love as humans, especially that we exhibit when we're children, but are latent in us even as adults. Um, yeah. And we have a tendency to get away from those things. Like, I mean, I don't collect stickers anymore, but I do collect vintage cookbooks. So it's like, while the, the, the format changes and evolves as we get older. Um, but, you know, some people really do just lose touch with pretty much all forms of play. And I think that's really sad, but I think travel and experiences are an opportunity to reconnect them to those things that lit them up as children. So, you know, while you may not be able to make a, a current clear connection between something that someone did as a child and something they're doing today, um, just being aware of it can help you create moments within your experience that, and I love the example that you gave. I think that's a perfect example. And it really helps people say, okay, I, w I want to be able to usher in moments where people are um, dressing something up, right? Like, so for example, like dressing up something up might not be related to, to clothing or textiles. It could be literally giving someone, um, you know, a blank cookie and having them decorate that cookie, right? So like, but like making sure that there are no, um, like that this is not intrinsically motivated and it's not about winning something or or getting something out of it that it's just done purely for fun. So like, you know, there are ways no matter what kind of tour experience you operate, you can infuse those qualities of play into it just and you can learn about them just by reflecting on the kinds of play that you witness. Even if you don't remember the kinds of play that you played as a children, as a child, you can go out and observe children on the playground. You can go out and observe the kids in your family. Like, what, what is it about the play? Like, don't burden yourself with the details of like the actual play because again, you know, we're not all gonna all go out and act like five-year-olds, but it's the elements and the qualities of it that we need to keep in mind. Oh my God, that makes me so sad. You killed your inner child, but go look at other children while they still have that sense of wonder and excitement about the world. Um, yeah. Uh, um, you know, it's funny. You've got me thinking back to a period of my life in New York when I was a local guide and did a ton of family tours, uh -huh. worked, worked a lot with children in small groups. And 
it was a chance for me to just try things because the city is so frenetic and chaotic and your storytelling alone is rarely going to be enough for um, the children, <laughs> pro promise you. Um, so what I, what I, I I'd read this book um, later called Gamification in, in Tourism and it gave kind of a theoretical framework to what I was doing just really practically, which I was just trying to make it through the tour. But I did things like I came up with a tour called Spin the Village where Greenwich Village is a maze of streets and everybody was addicted to those stupid fidget spinners at the time. Okay. And so I took one, gave it to the most obnoxious kid, and I said, you're the official spinner. You'd spin it, and whatever way the arrow pointed, uh, we would go. Love that. Now listen, it's Greenwich Village, so we'd eventually just cover all the stops I was going to do anyway because <laughs> it's pretty ambiguous where we're pointing, to be honest. Uh, but... The end result was they felt like they were making up this tour and they were like, wow, you know, everywhere about everything. And and it was, you know, they were excited for what's next. Where's chance going to lead us next? Well, and that element of chance and group discovery together made us all feel like we were on the same team. All right. Where are we going next? And what's that going to hold? Yes. It's the group element. I think like you, they talk about play and, you know, of course you have play, solo play and it's important, but play when it's collaborative is incredibly powerful and and they say that it can be easy to step into new roles and and do role play when you're in a group of strangers versus when you're surrounded by people who already know you so like you can challenge people to adopt new behaviors um new roles like you can literally hand out roles to people like you know based on the stories for example going back to new york like if you knew that there were people who became famous in New York and you were doing a movie tour, like a movie or media tour throughout New York, giving people roles to play of based on real people who actually grew up there and became famous. That's a really cool connection. And like being able to step into a role not only allows us to see things differently, but it also enables us to tap into a greater sense of creativity. And, you know, if it's, if it's a role that we have fun with, then we're able to take that role and find ways to integrate it into our daily lives back at home. You know, if, if you were like, oh, I really enjoyed my my time pretending I was this person. I don't know. Maybe you can give me a famous um, blank, uh, Frank Sinatra, right? He was from New York.
New Jersey, but we'll go Damn with it. it. I am New Jersey. That's why. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you can't get out of New Jersey. Name someone famous from a state that isn't New Jersey. Oh, uh, go. <laughs> I give up. Um, so anyway, it's like, how do you, if you can have that connection with someone from the past, or even a fake person, like you know, if you were just like being an astronaut, it's those qualities of the astronaut. It's the it's the tinkering mindset of the astronaut that people are going to be stepping into. It's not so much about like, oh, I pretended I was an astronaut for the day. And if it makes sense for your tour, it makes sense for your tour. But for the most part, it's really about challenging people to role play in a in a more adult way that feels fun and exploratory. So you've got my brain exploring right now. I mean, assuming a different role doesn't mean you need to be a celebrity or someone big, I'm thinking you could have a group of six guests and say, you've got to come up with an adjective uh, that is the same letter of your first name. And then when I ask you for your opinions of things, it has to be in that in that adjective. You could have wonderful Wendy. She's always full of wonder about everything. Bossy, Betty, uh, and play with that because New York is a city of a ton of opinions. And why not actually let people assume the role of a certain type of opinion and then together, it gives them license to like criticize or always look on the bright side. I don't know. It could be like a really fun way to 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 get a lot of different perspectives in the way that we look at things. I love that. And I, I think you hit on something really important is like so much of play and experience design in general should coincide with a destination. Um, we're really right. talking about how New York City is one place where you can go go who be whoever you want to be right like you know blend in with this melting pot of of culture um but if that's not in line with your destination then you need to figure out what it is about your destination that does align with a more playful approach uh you know you could even do some research and exploration into the games that st that arose from your destination like where where did the scavenger hunt come from i don't know but, you know, maybe if your destination was the one that came up with that, then you, you have a really cool tie there. So I, I think that so much of the sense of place that a, a destination has should somehow sync up with that play approach. You know, in some ways, another word for play is doing. Yeah. Just like doing things. You know, I, I think of there's a type of play that's constructive play, which is painting or drawing or building or whatever. And you could be on an adventure hike and led by a really great naturist or or whatever. Wait, is it is it a naturist or is that the nudist? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's fun. That's good play. Nature. Naturalist. Um, naturalist. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, God, and it's a dry January and already said so you're on a you're on a hike with a nudist and i mean you could stop just give a moment for the guests to i don't know you could give them you could give them pencil you could give them pencil sketches and tiny little pieces of paper and just say i want you to take a moment and put away your phone stop taking photos i want you to see the light see the rocks see this moment in your own way i'm going to give you some colored pencils and little piece of paper and I just want you to take away a sketch of your actual experience engaging with this landscape instead of just taking a photo and moving yeah. on. That's play. Yeah, exactly. 
And you could encourage people to use nature, you know, objects from nature to create something. I mean, anytime that you're challenging people to do things a little differently, I think that is the truth. Because because if you're someone who, you know, going back to this idea of like, if you're someone who builds and you're someone who builds all the time, then that is not playful for you. It can be fun and enjoyable and satisfactory, but because it's an everyday occurrence, it doesn't have the same element of play. So play is often so heavily tied to stepping outside of the norm and doing something that shifts your perspective. And I, I really think that um, the intrinsic motivation is a huge part of what makes play play. If you're if you're doing it out of out of the pleasure of the pure pleasure, not just because someone told you to. Like there there really has to be an element of like I just want to do this. Like and and that's another thing. Like when you do have an experience or an activity that is super structured and there's no space for deviation, uh there's not room for play there. And I I think that you kind of have to structure and and start your experience, your tour with an invitation to say like if you see something and you want to do it like let's let's talk about that like let them know that there are opportunities to go beyond just what is on the itinerary list or whatever it is that you're doing and that as you said like the example with the spidget spinners uh fidget spinners <laughs> uh you know like putting people in control of and and that really kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off you too like you if they want to do oh. something because their curiosity is leading them in this direction, that's going to feel a lot better than for them than just saying like, oh, well, I have to do this. And this is, you know, this is what we have to do. And, and that doesn't feel good for anyone. I mean, no one as a child, like being told they had to do something, right? Yep. Takes the play out of it. You know, I learned this back when I was leading cemetery tours of Arlington National Cemetery in Washington, D.C. And first thing we'd enter and I'd launch into a lot of history and tell it in a really good story. And, but it was like, I was actually robbing them of a moment of awe, of discovery, of revelation, because they'd enter a place they had never been. And it's so different than what they obviously see anywhere else. Like the perfectly manicured lawns, the gravestone or the headstones in the exact perfect rows, this kind of magnificent mansion on the top of the hill. And I realized much better than any great hook or story or words that could come out of my mouth was two things. One, I would say, I want you just to take the next 11.7 seconds and in silence, just look around. Yeah. And 11 seconds is about 29 minutes on tour uh, of silence from a tour guide yeah. or from me at least. Right. And then I would just start by saying, what do you see? What did you notice? Yep. That's a form of play. We're not saying I need to bring out Legos and say, okay. you know, build a Lego model of these graves. Yeah. Play is letting your imagination run and notice and savor and understand in your own way, in your own language. Yeah. it's There's a great quote and it. It says something along the lines of, that is the first step to play. That wonder and awe is first instance of play and it's what you do with that 
that really matters. And, you know, I, I think that you bring up a really good point. So there, there's play that's like just pure, like in your mind, curiosity. And then there's play that's actionable. And it's good to have moments that throughout your tour where you're, you're moving from one to the other. Uh, you, you do want to create some engagement that is like physical movement, uh, physical tinkering. I mean, that is, that's always great to have. I think what you did is starting off with this mom moment of orienting. That's what they would call it in the psychological somatic space is like, if you don't give people that moment to orient, to figure out what's going on in their environment, uh, it can be really disorienting and it can be really hard for someone to jump into the next part of play, which is the more active, physical, interactive side of things. So. You, you do want to kind of set people up for success because it's not easy for people to just switch on and switch off from play. Uh, they need to be warmed up. And again, that awe moment, that inspiring moment is the perfect, like if you imagine like a light, you know, a match, like it lights the match for play and it gets things going. Yeah, that's such an important point. You need to really create the conditions of safety that promote that kind of willingness or even provoke it that that make people want to do that. So maybe you don't start out by saying, all right, now we're all going to play a dress up Thank in the you. first moment. You create you create bonding moments throughout the experience or whatever. And maybe, you know, here's here's an example. Maybe you the flying bike um, tour company in Asheville, North Carolina, the home of the Wright brothers. And maybe you take them on I know Torin and Alice and Richie, they're a great company, suddenly thinking, you know, you go on this great electric bike experience and at the end of it, they've got a physical shop. You come back to the shop and you, you know, and you give a little story and say, by the way, just down the road is where the airplane was invented. And I feel like these electric bikes almost went as far. And I've got a table of mustaches for you to dress up like the Wright brothers and get your photo with our bike and as a Wright brother riding the bike and we'll take the photo. Yeah. That means something more at the end of the experience when we've all bonded and had a great time oh, than if it was like, all right, welcome to the tour. Put on your mustache. Yeah. yeah, you need to warm people up a little bit. I mean, while there are really good icebreakers and of course they're important and icebreakers, I would say in themselves are really good opportunities for play. Like how do you, how do you set the tone? <laughs> um, like I remember I was creating an idea for a, for a tour and I went on a tour I wrote an email about this. I went to this oyster farm and pe people were like 15 minutes late. So we were literally just sitting there waiting for 15 minutes for other people to show up. And I was like, okay, that's that's fine. But what if there had been an opportunity to actually play a game where like you're matching, you create your own matching deck where you're matching um, the animals of the local ecosystem and maybe, you know, facts about oysters, whatever matching these and playing a memory game so that you can, instead of just standing at and staring at the wall, you can actually sit down and be learning and playing a game with, you know, whoever you came with or even the people around you that are also waiting so that you're actually like learning and doing something instead of just like sitting there. Yeah. What if you've got, you've got a group of six guests that are waiting for the other five and they're just all sitting around. What if you as the guide go up and say, all right, hi, I want you to 
uh, I want you to meet George over here. Your job is to figure out a place that you have both visited together that starts with the letter T. <laughs> and then they go over there. They've got to sit there. They go, well, have you been to Oklahoma? Have you? Do you go to Tuskegee much? And she's like, sir, I am from Rio de Janeiro. I do not know what you're talking about. Or whatever. And maybe they don't think of something. Or maybe they do, but they're talking and they're engaging and they're probably laughing. Or whatever. Much more than having them either just say nothing or that stupid icebreaker that I hate, which is, where are you from? (laughs) You know. an icebreaker? (laughs) What's that? Is that that even an icebreaker? It's like the way... I see a lot of tours get started. Yeah. Don't get me started, but I hate it because it doesn't do much. Yeah. It doesn't do much to break the ice or get anything started. It just seems to be like the normal thing. Yep. And that's and that, sometimes that's the only question that you as the guest get asked on a tour. Well, like, what if you took she, that and instead of having the, instead of answering with words, you had to act out or create a symbol or do something that represented where you were from? And everybody has to guess. Exactly. So, you know, there's hey. there's ways to, to and, and it's really just about being more playful and fun. Of course, it's not about like jumping around, being like children, loud, rowdy, crazy. It's it's really no. about like just creating more engaging moments that provoke curiosity and get people smiling. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's really what play is about. And bonus points, you know, if 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 you can help them step into another version of themselves and and use role play as a means for impact but it's not necessary i mean of course like that's when i work with a client like that's always my goal like i want i want to be able to see what that impact was i want to be able to challenge people to to go a bit further with who they're becoming and and push them a little bit outside their comfort zone but it doesn't have to be like that It, it really can just be pure fun pure nostalgia i mean giving people that reminder of what it's like to be free and inhibited as free and inhibited as we were as children i like something that you once said to me which is that play is the remedy for seriousness yes it's it's uh i would add to that self-importance What I am doing is cultural heritage interpretation of an important Renaissance site. Fine, but people are still people and they all had childhoods and secretly we still want to be filled with wonder and delight and have a good time. I mean, I think everyone still has like, you know, we may not want to be astronauts anymore. We may not want to be lava jumping, you know, floors. (laughs) Raise your hand. Like we all, like we all did. Like we all did. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, we grow up and our dreams change and, you know, it's no longer about doing those crazy things. But it's not to say that we all don't desire to get to the next echelon of ourselves. I mean, that's like, as you said, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, self-transcendence, you know, self-actualization. We're all looking to be the best version of ourselves. And if stepping into other roles helps us with that, to kind of get a feel for what it's like, then, yeah, I think I think travel and tours can be a be a a vehicle for that for sure. It it undoubtedly is a method in which we grow, whether that's our intention for a travel experience or not. Certainly, it happens on a ten day journey where you learn a lot about yourself and others and places. 
it happens on a two-hour journey. I've been self-consciously trying to um, talk about like the walking tours and things that I've done, but just to know that, just to make sure people know that this is something you can inject into a one-hour experience. In fact, even more so, uh, you can set that stage in a really interesting way. But um, on those le- on those longer journeys, I think it's also really more important to make sure that when you look at all of your different places you're visiting and all your you're stopping, if you're a multi-day operator, to inject difference into those experiences in the way that you as a group are experiencing them. Yeah. Making sure, just like my dog has 938 stuffed animals and each one is a different experience for him. Murdering the T-Rex that's nine times his size is different and he has a choice he wants variety yeah and i think probably the best the best model we have around our dogs uh for 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 this play because it's how they learn about the world yeah exactly i mean there's so many similarities between us and animals when we look at our brains and how it works it plays how we learn Play and neuroscience are incredibly linked. So neuroscience is how we grow, how we um, how we adopt new behaviors or how we reinforce current behaviors. And if we don't have play, then we really don't have a means for continually continuously learning on like a grander scale. I mean, we can we can read books. That's not really play. We can we can we can watch movies we can we can learn constantly but that's not play and you know as someone like me like I can be a very uh I can be really stuck in the words and like I'm a writer I'm, I'm constantly reading I'm constantly consuming content and there's just this innate part of me like I would say it's almost like the animalistic part of me that's like I cannot read another thing I have to physically go do something or I'm going to go crazy and it happens to me a lot. Like, <laughs> I think this is like the drive within all of us to go experience things. And it's almost like that curiosity becomes too much. It's like, if I read one more interesting fact, I'm I'm going to explode because I need to actually go get my hands on something. I need to go create something. I need to go just physically be a part of something with everyone. And I would say that we all get to that point where it just like explodes and we're just like, okay, what is it? Like I need, I need to, I need to find an outlet. It's like a creative outlet for this. Right. So yeah, I mean, it, it is incredibly from a, from a physical bodily neuroscience capacity. It is play is essential. And I think because of adults, you know, we're adulting. I know you said we're not allowed to use that word. <laughs> I think as we, um, as we get stuck in this territory, we really do become detached from play. And if our vacations and our travels are the only outlet for it, then it's really pent up. So like the demand for more playful, more creative experiences is there. So this is like a my plea to you as an experience designer to another experience designer. Please start thinking about ways to become more interactive, become more challenging, 
don't just assume that your people want to learn, 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 learn. Because we have had it, we, we do that every day, day in, day out. I mean, not, I know not everyone is like me, but <laughs> there are a lot of people like me who are just constantly consuming and are ready. An audience of tour guides is like you or tour operators who do tons of research because they're all they're always learning about their place and they love that, you yeah. know? Yeah. You're not your customer. Right. You know, that's so important to remind. Uh, I, I have to remind myself of that all the yeah. time. What I love what you're saying is, is, I mean, two things. Number one, don't help people to not take themselves so seriously and don't take yourself so seriously. Yeah. Don't hold the, your beliefs about the world so seriously. But what you think your guests want or what you think you're doing. Play is about imagination. Right. And um, I studied philosophy. There's a really, I can't believe I'm bringing this up, but it's called perspectival adumbration. It just means, I know. It's disgusting. All it means, like philosophy, all it simply means is look at things from different yeah. angles, right? See things from all the different angles and you learn so much more. And play is a way of doing that. It's it's a way of of making sure you don't hold your particular belief or perspective with too much weight. And it's a really powerful thing for us to learn personally as experienced creators, but also for our guests to learn when they are primed to be in that posture in a travel experience. Nowhere, it's really hard to know everything about the place that you're visiting where you know nothing. And so they're ripe for permission to play with themselves, with their beliefs, with their environment, with all of that. It's so powerful. Yeah, the new environment is really key because as you said, like it opens us up. We are, we are no longer holding on to all the things that we think we know. We are now... <laughs> in the unknown and that is where play is for sure the most powerful and the easiest to kind of start leaning and nudging people towards and i think that as you said imagination is key it is the thing that really separates play from just discovery discovery is just like give me all the information that's kind of like what i was talking about earlier like people just like need more information they just want it all they want to learn they want to see the world they want but like there's there it lacks that interactiveness like okay now what am i going to do with this information that's why play is really more actionable and it makes it makes it easy for you as as a tour operator as someone who's guiding people through experiences because experiences are about action right like discovery in itself is kind of one dimensional play is is a three dimensional and if we can if you can just like just ignore discovery for now and just like pretend like discovery doesn't even exist and just focus on play it will give you so many more tools to to create something that's engaging taking any moment you could just take any moment and say okay how are we going to playify this like i just made that up i don't know that's a word how are we going to playify this this moment in time? And all you have to do is look again, look at the qualities of play. Look at the the way people play. Look at the the different ways that people engage. And then you have your answer. You could you could literally make a list if it makes it easier for you to say, okay, well these are these are the ten qualities of play that our tour and our brand and our concept are really connected to. And we want to make sure that these 10 elements of play 
are peppered throughout the entire experience. And there you go. What you're creating is a placation. Placation. We can placate. I like it. Placate your tour. <laughs> you know, I think I think probably the most practical thing we could say is number one, the brain craves this. Uh, so we crave it as humans, and humans are partially brains, yeah. and our brains crave it. You and I both have a man crush on Paul Zak, the neuroscientist, and one of the things, I mean, he says over and over again is the 20-20-20 rule, that mm -hmm. you need at least as much time in kind of brain rest as you do in receiving information. Yeah. If you've talked for 20 minutes straight as a tour guide, then your guests basically need 20 minutes of processing time. Something else, then the... Neuro, neuro fatigue is real. We need to shift our modes. And to start, it might just be looking at your tour, all six stops or all eight days, whatever it is, and picking a moment and saying, how can I playify, placate this? Yeah. I'm going to turn this into a placation. <laughs> I love it. Start small. Do you have any final advice for operators who are hearing this and saying that, that sounds like fun or they had fun talking about it <laughs> sounds like maybe they like to have fun in life where do i, I do begin like fun. what i would say that and this goes back to a lot of advice i give just pretty much with anything is start looking at your own style of play start looking and and reflecting on how you like to play how you like to play as a child how you like to play as a teen, how you like to play now, and what are the common threads? Because if you like it and it makes you feel good, there's a high, high, high chance that your guests are also going to have fun. And when you can create experiences that are shaped around this element of play, you can market it. You can it just it doesn't just stay in your experience. It, it oozes out into everything that you do. So if your marketing is more playful and you're speaking to experience that is more playful, then you're going to attract people who also value and care about play. So it, it really has like a ripple effect. It's not just like, oh, okay, we're just going to do this thing and pray and hope it works. It I would say get intentional about it. And there's a whole world of people out there who need this. So put all your fears aside, just have fun with it and see where it takes you. This is where I'm going to get a little woo woo. <laughs> you create, you, you create the reactions in people that you kind of put out there at least on some level. And I know this because I used to be handed the difficult quote unquote clients for, uh, this tour operator that I used to work for. And I used to seem to never have a problem with them. <laughs> And I think part of it was I didn't authorize them to take any of this too seriously. Yeah. They they were often, they were like fighting with a puppy. I would just be fun and playful and curious and not feed their desire to turn this more serious and, 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 than, it, than it is. And that's contagious. But miraculously, somehow all of these horrendous people I didn't really have a problem with. And I think it was because of my inherent love of play uh yeah i think people are always going to not always there's going to be a lot of people where seriousness <laughs> is their mo they are just 
again, many people, that's what they do all day. They, their job is serious. Their family operation is serious. There's always something coming up in their lives that they have to deal with. And that just is a part of their life. And it's, as I've said before, it's not easy to, to switch off that seriousness for a lot of people. So the more you can exude clay, the more that it will be contagious. And you're, this, this behavior of play is an imitation. It's like, oh, wow, look, they're enjoying themselves. Wow, I would love to enjoy myself for once in my life. <laughs> yeah. Beautifully said. I love that. I hear our moms calling us. We have to exit the sandbox and go eat our peanut butter sandwiches with the crust cut uh, off. But I really enjoyed getting down and dirty in the sandbox with you and talking about this topic. Thank you, Sam, thank you for, uh, yeah. Thank you. Good conversation. Thank you.